The first reading tells us that little Bethlehem shall be the birthplace of the promised ruler of Israel. The first reading is from Micah, the fifth chapter. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading tells us that Jesus came to earth to do his Father's will. The second reading is from Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have seen sanctified, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. So have you ever been misunderstood? Okay, I guess so. Okay. Or maybe misinterpreted or misrepresented. Well, I'm sure we've all been there at some time or another. Sometimes it happens in our families. Maybe it happens a lot in our families uh, as we're growing up or as we even try to get along with our spouses sometimes. It happens at work. It happens in our neighborhoods. It happens all over the place. And if, if you're the one that has been misunderstood or misinterpreted, you know how that feels. It can be really frustrating. And it can get to you, and you just can't understand, well, how did they miss what I was saying? And maybe sometimes we get angry about that. And maybe sometimes we're the ones that are misunderstanding the other person, even when we get mad about it. And this kind of goes back and forth like that. Well, imagine how God probably felt when the people kept misunderstanding the things that he was saying to them when they just didn't seem to get it, when, when they kept missing what he was really trying to say and what he was really trying to get at. And that seems to be the history of his people, uh, of the Israelites. And, and I, I thought about that when I was reading that, looking at that lesson from Micah, because this is one of the prophecies about the Messiah coming and what it's going to be like. And he says, one will come, who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And immediately the people that hear this are going to think of David, King David, and the glory days of Israel, and Solomon, and the power and wealth 
that Israel had in the world. That's the first thing they're going to think of. And then when it talks about this person, it says he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord. So all of a sudden, you're getting this built-up picture of the one that's going to come. And they will live securely because his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. So they have this picture of a great and mighty deliverer who's going to come. Strong, majestic, you know, powerful over all the earth. The whole world is going to know of this person's greatness. And then, finally, they'll have security and he will be our peace. But the people had a really short-sighted view of what that was because their whole view was colored by what they wanted. They wanted to be delivered. They wanted to be saved. They wanted to not be under the thumb of another nation or overrun by another power. And so they were looking for that, and they were looking for somebody that was going to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And they have this really small view of of what was coming. And they completely misunderstood the prophecy and other prophecies, like especially the ones like in Isaiah that talk about a servant that's going to have to suffer. They just miss all that stuff. And they don't understand it. And for centuries, God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to love my people and I'm going to save my people. But they only could think of it in terms of what they wanted from God. And missing the whole big picture. They didn't see the real need. They had this temporal view, this temporary short-term view of what they thought God was going to do and missed that God had something much greater in mind. And so I wonder, have things changed? Has it really changed? When we think about God and when we think about deliverance and living in security and peace and and God coming to be a Savior, a lot of people in this world, and I'm sure even us at certain times, are looking for a God who's going to take care of what's going on now. There are people that have some association with the church, but then they end up leaving because they don't understand why God can let certain things happen. If God is really real, why doesn't he fix things? Why are there so many hurts? Why do we lose somebody before their time? Why does he allow his people to be persecuted and beheaded and run out of their homes? Why is there so much trouble in the world? And and they they start to to think that if God really is God, Why doesn't he do something? And because he doesn't fix things the way we think or the way they think they ought to be fixed, 
then God is either powerless or indifferent and just doesn't care or is just not involved. And you see, it's the same thing Israel was doing. It's, it's trying to mold God into what we want him to be. Say, if this is what God is, if this is what God really says, then it should look like this. It should be this kind of a God. And that's always what we want it to be or what we think it ought to be. And we miss what God is saying. We miss the fact that God has a much bigger plan than that. And that it's not just the temporal stuff that we can see that is his plan. His plan is eternal. His plan is for something much more significant than that for us. And that's where Hebrews comes in talking about the lesson that we read from Hebrews, talking about the sacrifice. You all know about the Old Testament system of sacrifices and they had all that and they'd sacrifice you know, animals and they had grain offerings and all these kinds of things that, that they sacrificed, this whole system that was set up. And that the writer of the Hebrews was saying, but here comes one that says, here I am. And that's Jesus. Here I am. And I'm going to replace that. I'm going to replace that system and I'm going to offer myself going to offer myself as a sacrifice and it's the only sacrifice that there'll ever need to be. There won't need to be any more after I do that. And the reason for that sacrifice then is to pay the price once for all. And as he says, I'll follow your will And then by that, you and I have been made holy through the sacrifice that Christ made. And that sacrifice, well, a couple verses after what we read, it says this, But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's a much bigger plan. That's God's end game. That's what he was talking about from the beginning when he talked about saving his people and making them his children forever. He makes us holy. We're being made holy. So that when God looks at us He looks at us through the prism of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't see what we have been. He doesn't see what we are. He sees what Christ made us. And he sees perfection. And we are holy. And we actually then really do have peace. The prophecy said, he will be our peace. And the peace that comes is knowing that this big plan of God to save people includes you and me. And that we're part of that. And so when we see the start of this, 
in Bethlehem and a little baby. It's a very small start to a very big plan. It's a journey that starts at Bethlehem and ends up, as the writer of the Hebrews said, with the king at the right hand of God. And he then is our peace. So I want to, I'm just going to read part of that first lesson again, and I want you to think about that lesson, not, and you know, picture, just picture this as being said, not from a manger, not about a baby that was born, but picture it as though we're reading it with Jesus standing at the side of God as the king. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they, you and me, will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace.